just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f he wants. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Code Blue and Bullshit. It's Cordero. And it's Monaco. As many of you guys may know, we've been a little bit absent from our podcast and our YouTube video just because we've been working really hard on trying to reach future career goals in a sense of prepping and other certifications, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we'll talk about that in another video. But yeah, we apologize for the uh, absence, I guess. And uh, we'll talk today. We'll talk about how do we feel after our first year of ICU experience? And I think that's another reason why we've been away for a little bit longer is because there's always so much to learn, especially when you start. So how do you feel now, Monica, compared to your first day in the neurotrauma ICU? Personally, okay, let's rewind. Personally, when I first started in the neuro ICU, I remember almost eh, a tear may have popped out almost crying right before my ACLS class and our educator just had to like give me a pep talk it was just a lot you, you know we're in this residency program you're diving deep into things that you never learned in nursing school let's be real you learned the basics in nursing school and things to get by because everything was so generalized to an extent of course being in a residency program they just smash all this information to you you're expected to be a guest well off by the time you're done in most residency programs when it involves didactic and you know following your preceptors about six months on average i'd say anyways i just remember being terrified <laughs> i remember being so so terrified and thinking that i wasn't good enough and i'm here to tell y'all especially you new nurses new graduates or people just starting nursing school when you're in clinicals when you're getting precepted the best advice I have for you is to listen, one, two, study outside of work. Yeah, it sucks. You want your whole free time and you thought you got out of school. You didn't. <laughs> it's a continuing learning experience. Be receptive of what people say. Yeah, some people don't know how to communicate. And yes, being an ICU nurse, Especially now a CVIC nurse where people have this god complex. I promise you that is not me <laughs> Be receptive. Yeah, they, they may come across rude You can't fix people so put that into your brain too. You can stand up for yourself 100% but you can't fix people and Just be super receptive of what they say You know, sometimes I get a little butthurt and bothered by the way They'd be saying things but then I look back and I actually apply it whatever they were trying to tell me right you have to disconnect yourself and listen to what they're saying, not how they're saying. Yeah, you just disconnect your ego for a little bit. They, they're making a point. Some people just talk out of their ass, let's be real. But here at this unit that I'm in and how rigorous it is, half, 70, 85% of the time, the way it comes off, it is not appropriate. But, you know, they have a point. So I try to always look at the point that somebody's trying to make and get over it. Did you just make that statistic up? I did. 70, 80, 85%. 90%, 90%, sure. <laughs> um, How your confidence grown? My confidence has grown immensely. Honestly, I think the neuro ICU prepped me because it was a slower environment. Not saying it wasn't challenging, but unless you're getting like, unless you're getting a trauma patient, 
motor vehicle accident, gunshot wound, that's suffering some form of traumatic brain injury, whether it's epidural, hematoma, subdural, whatever the case may be, after that initial admit or post-operative procedure, it just, it's not, it wasn't stimulating enough for me, but it definitely did teach me a lot of things I never knew. You know, I took everything as a learning experience and and in comparison to where I'm at now in a new unit and getting exposed and almost forced to just be in certain situations and be resilient, my confidence level has gone up. Mind you, I feel like everyone on my floor is very, 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 very intelligent and it can be very, very, very intimidating sometimes, but it humbles you a hundred percent. But I, I do have a lot more confidence. My knowledge and my skill set has has grown immensely, period, regardless of the floor, just within this experience. And I think for me, with the advice that I just gave y'all on how to be successful and on how to make this career work for you in your favor and actually learn through this process and not be lazy is all those three steps. Apply. Apply those, please. Trust me. How would you say, so for whoever doesn't know, Cordero decided to take upon traveling into his nursing career. We out there. We out there. Um, your girl is sad and alone, but making some shmoney. So how would you say your career has grown in comparison to being typical floor nurse? You know, your journey is amazing. You went from being a med surgeon nurse, starting this residency, mm-hmm. knowing that you had more to add to your career and you know, you, you craved more. So then going into an ICU nurse, becoming very successful on your floor, and of course growing and humble and, you know, landing post-op cabbages and whatnot, and and now to becoming a travel nurse and being the new guy on the floor. How's that gone for you? Well, I think it's it's been a different set of challenges. I know that a lot of travel nurses get a bad rep, mm-hmm. and that's honestly driven me more to be even more competent and take even better care of my patients because I don't like that stigma. Fairly confident. I'm pretty confident in what I do and I know what I know and know what I don't know. Right. The most challenging thing has been figuring out how different hospital systems function and communicate. Would you say that's the most challenging part? What would you say is the most challenging part of being in a new hospital setting? One, the number one, charting, the pumps. Communication. What do you, that's so broad. That doesn't count. So communicating to physicians, communicating to all the people that we talk to. If you think about it, we talk to a lot of people during the day. Yes. You talk to food services. You talk to family. You talk to caseworkers. You, you talk, talk to physical therapy. Pharmacy. You talk to doctors. You talk to the charts. So just to figure out how to reach these people mm-hmm. and the best way to reach these people, especially doctors, has been different. But once you get that part down, you're rolling. Okay. Once you learn how to talk to who you need to talk to, you're good. But if your patient's crashing and you can't get a hold of a doctor. <laughs> or you don't even know who the nurse practitioner is on the case, right? Exactly. So. learning, And then by the time you really learn the teams and get your communication it's time down, to go. you're out. Yeah. So what would you say... Would you say this opportunity has helped you grow into your career? For sure. For sure. And I think a lot of this perspective, you have to say, what am I going to get out of this experience? Mm-hmm. And I intentionally said, hey, I need to, I'm doing this to grow. I'm not do- of course, I'm doing it mm-hmm. for some financial gains. I, was, I thought you were going to say you wasn't. I was like, don't lie. No, of course, I'm doing it for <laughs> financial gains. But on a philosophical level. LOL. 
life is a lot deeper than that. And the work that we do should be more than just getting a paycheck. Because if you're going to work just to get a paycheck, you can tell in the way you take care of your patients. And, and what you go home and do, do you go read more and all the extras? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I think that's pretty awesome. Honestly, guys, I could not do what he's doing because A. <laughs> you could do it. I could. I don't think I'd want to put myself in that position because I do really well in chaos, y'all. Really well in chaos. Well, you will be perfect. But I like some form of organized chaos. <laughs> You know, and when I say chaos, I mean the state of my patient crashing or whatever the case may be or put in an unfamiliar situation. But when it comes to how Cordero said that communication along with, you know, the multidisciplinary team members and collaborating with them. No, if I need I need to know who I need to reach because I'm gonna tell you all right now during my first code. I didn't know who was the surgeon. I didn't know who was the NP on the case. I didn't call probably about five people finally got somebody on the phone i said you know i don't even care if you're not part of this i need somebody here now <laughs> but you learn with time you do learn with, you time. Learn with time so now that i'm taking these travel assignments i know what the first questions i need to ask when i get on the unit that's fair who do i need to contact how do i contact these people am i paging them do i call them directly do they like text messages i've seen all all three so that's you know you you, you pick up these little tools that as is you, as you go what would what kind of advice would you share with our listeners um that would like to do travel nursing. I know a lot of piggybacking off that question. I know a lot of people gave you feedback in terms of you starting this travel journey and saying, Oh, you don't have enough experience. Give yourself two years. Some people even say, give yourself five years, give yourself till you're well off and you can survive on your own. What do you have to say to that? What do you have to say to that? I have to say, do what Mm. you feel is best for yourself. And if you don't feel comfortable taking care of patients on your own, then don't do it. I don't think you can put a time limit on somebody's competence. But let's back up. You said if you don't, I think you may want to reword that for the listener. Be sure that you can safely take care of your patients on your own. If you don't feel comfortable on the floor that you're already working on as an ICU nurse, then it's going to be really tough for you to transition. especially And go into specialties that you're familiar with. So I wouldn't intentionally send myself to a burn unit ICU because I don't take care of burn patients. That would be completely foreign to me. I haven't taken a lot of trauma. So massive infusions, I'm not very familiar with that. You doing ECMO now. That's a totally <laughs> different. That's a whole nother podcast. Chill. You getting there. You getting I've, there. I've had two ECMOs, y'all. I'm humble. Um, but keep yeah, going. Well, that's yeah. another. That's on another note. But big thing, big tip is... To be confident and enough to take care of patients in a safe way. I'd like to piggyback off that too because you, there's people out there that are very, 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 very confident. And that's, that is great <laughs> and all. So let's elaborate on that confidence because you can, have, you can be super confident, 100%. Mm-hmm. You can be rocking it, faking it until you make it. But do you feel that's enough for a travel ICU nurse? Well, that's when I go back to, like, is it in your heart? Like, does, does this feel right for you? But is it going to be in your heart to save somebody? You, you, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is what made you such a successful travel nurse and with you only having one year of ICU experience? Okay. That's a different question. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, that goes back to the original reason we're making this is post-year. You know, how much you learn. And... I, just like you, I ask questions about everything. I try to find questions every day. 
to solve and figure out reasons for. So when we were in that very beginning stage into the ICU, there's so many different things that you don't know. You, you just don't, know, don't know. You don't know until you don't know. And it's just this discovery. And then we come home and study and learn even more. So I feel I feel I feel good about it. I'm not I'm not anxious to go to a travel assignment. I'm not like, oh my gosh, like what if I get this kind of patient? So what else besides asking questions? I feel like listeners really want to hear how you made there's not a lot of travel nurses that are good. And I'm not just saying this because he's my husband because I would tell him to his face that he's doing a terrible job. You haven't seen me work though either. I don't, but I see the way that you come home and the conversations that we have. They're intelligent. They make sense. And it seems like you're taking good care of your patients. Am I talking in generalities? You are talking in generalities. <laughs> if that's a word. It's, it's really difficult to put a measure on when you should go travel. There we go. I think that's what I was looking for. There's no, I don't think there's one answer for it. Right. So what do you have to say to all the haters? <laughs> The people that have their own opinions about... You know people do. I would say... What was that? <laughs> you guys having a TIA, buddy? No, facts. I feel like they do what you have to do. At the end of the day, if you feel like you need to go travel, then go travel. Don't listen to... Don't take too many people's advice because they're not in your life. You know, take, take advice from people that you really, really respect. And even at that, you know, what's best for yourself? You know, you know what's best for yourself. You know what's best for your life. If you keep asking different people, they're going to keep giving you different reasons. And that's just going to really confuse you even more. I didn't ask. I asked you, should I go travel? You say, yeah. And I was like, okay, let's go. Here we are. He makes an excellent point, guys. Words of wisdom from my mentor. There's a thousand different ways to skin a cat. Thousand different ways. And that's very true. And that applies to everyday life. Cordero's right. There's going to there's gonna be tons of different people telling you what to do. Tons of different people soliciting their unsolicited advice that you're not asking for. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, best advice is move in silence. I mean, talk about it if you want to talk about it with your trusted people. But move in silence if you want to do travel nursing. Get it done. At the end of the day, it, whether you have five years... Okay, if you have 10 years, you, you're really on it. So I can't even say anything about that. <laughs> but whether you have one year, two years, three years go for it nobody knows what you're capable of or what you're what's in your knowledge base or how well you take care of patients because in actuality nobody's sitting right there at the bedside with you yeah and it'll stretch you too because you'll get to see how different doctors develop their patient care plan you know how, how are they taking care of this patient that you're used to taking care of in a certain kind of way exactly you get to see a different angle at it oh he's doing this because of this and you ask them questions and you learn even more it's like it's this positive feedback circle it's all up to you yeah exactly it's, essentially it's all up to you I remember when I was leaving the neuro ICU. There's, there's a few comments within, you know, what's, what's that, what's that um, phrase? There was a few comments within the bush. No, there was a few. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> Lol. This is what happens when you're Spanish speaking. So there's, there's a few comments in the bush. Comments in the bush. <laughs> we guess we can use that. There's, I mean, I heard a few comments being said that oh, I don't know why she's moving to. It. A CBICU or a new specialty and she only has a year it's just stuff that really didn't matter and mind you I only told three people and I'm gonna tell you right now that thing spread like wildfire 
I remember it got it got a week till I it got a week till I left. Everybody knew. I said, mm, "Bye," you know. I you know somebody must really care a lot about you, in a whether positive or or negative way. If your name's all up in their mouth. Listen, Linda. I just remember hearing all, all. There's a lot of positive, mind you. There's a lot of positive. Uh, uh, there's a lot of positive, but there was some negative, and I really didn't care what they had to say because I can tell you right now, I know how to land hearts. I know how to land fresh lungs. I know how to land post-op cabbages, post-op AVRs, MVRs. I know how to work now. I had my first impella today. I know how to work elevads. Savage. I'm starting on ECMO patients, you know, it, and the thing is, my unit in comparison to Cordero's travel opportunity is you get in these situ, you get put in these situations, especially if they start to trust you that you've never been in before. And resilience is key. I will say that resilience is key, and it's it's put. I have been. <laughs> it in, sounds like that should be on like a shirt or something. I know. I'm gonna make one, guys. Y'all, y'all buy it. Let me know. Give me the feedback. Resilience but the thing is, resilience is key. <laughs> but but seriously, because you get put in these situations that you're unfamiliar with. A lot of people go into panic mode. I honestly just start looking stuff up. I start asking physicians questions. I'm honest with them. I'm saying, hey, this is this is my first decanulation on ECMO. I have no idea what I'm doing. And that was the first question that I asked my charge nurse. And they're like, it's okay. This is what you're going to do. This is what you grab. I said, cool. Grabbed all the stuff. Successfully was there at the bedside with the surgeon while he pulled, while he decanulated. And it, I mean, it's not like I do much in that situation, but just being aware of if anything is going to go wrong or the supplies to have in the room, just to be well well prepared. Even if you're not managing the ECMO and, you know, ECMO specialists are managing it, you still need to know if something's going wrong with your patient and how to intervene because of the way that ECMO is running on the patient or whatever the case may be, whether it's a fresh heart or fresh lung on some nitric oxide. Like, I've been in so many situations where I'm like, crap, like, this is my first time. And do I stress out? Maybe a little bit. I get a little anxious, but I ask questions and that lowers my anxiety. And I try my best to thrive in that environment. And then another key advice I want y'all to take with you on this topic is go home. Reflect on your day. Don't beat yourself up to say, even pause, even if you had a good day reflect on that day and say what could have i done to have been more successful today to be that much of a better nurse to be that much of a better care provider where could have i gone different in my approaches and my interventions and my reactions to things and i feel as that has made me very adaptable to situations and it has helped me grow in a lot of uncomfortable situations and how to process these things and grow it just it's helped me grow seriously i think it helps too that we're both nurses it does so that you can come and like talk to me through like what's going through your mind while you're taking care of a patient vice versa it's like oh well why don't you think about this and as you're explaining things to me or i'm explaining things to you we're asking questions on the disease process which probes the other person to start just dig deeper into the disease process which makes you learn more so i think I think just having somebody to decompress with. And that understands what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It's very, very helpful. I'm very thankful for that opportunity. But yeah, Mm -hmm. thanks guys for listening to our post-op year one. The post-op one year 
but we're about a year and a half in now. Oh, yeah, I think it's. I think it was appropriate. I think after one year, it would have been like, meh, still kind of lost, grown a lot, but still growing. I think this this has put us back closer to that two year mark, and how much more we've grown as people. And again, we can't thank y'all for, enough for the support. And shout out to my mentee. Thomas Wynn. Thomas. For getting his first ICU job. Super proud. If anybody ever has questions or needs help or advice, don't hesitate to reach out to us. That's what we're here for. Yeah, stay breezy. Peace. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning into the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to share this podcast with your favorite nurse or nursing student. Give us a follow on IG and YouTube. The links are in the description. Until next time.